As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to another edition of Copa with Felipe Cardenas. Thank you for joining me. My guest today is Lloyd Sam, television color commentator for Charlotte FC. He covered the team during their inaugural season in 2022. He's also a former Premier League winger with Charlton Athletic. He spent some time with his hometown team, Leeds United, and he scored 25 goals, contributed 34 assists in nearly 150 MLS appearances with New York Red Bull and DC United. Lloyd, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? Thank you, man. I like that intro. It's bringing back a lot of memories, but I'm doing really good today, man. I'm in a good mood. Good, good. No, I bet. I mean, I know like when I, I've had Stu Holden on, uh, Hercules Gomez, and like these guys are on TV. They're, cu- they're, cu- they're calling games. They, the fans know them as pundits, but yeah. they play too. They had, a, they had a career just like you. I still forget that I'm, a play- like, that I'm retired <laughs> sometimes, you know. Like some, sometimes I watch games and I think in my head, I'm going to do that in my next game. And then I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, and it comes back and I remember I'm retired. So, but I think that's what makes me a better commentator because I'm right still there. I don't feel far removed yet. So, well, let's get into that. I think I, I do want to get into just Charlotte's first season and how you experienced it being so close to the team. Some of the other topics I'd love to talk to you about today are Jesse Marsh at Leeds United in a bit of trouble. Uh, he's your former coach. You played, you won yeah. two supporter shields under Jesse Marsh uh, with the New York Red Bulls. So you have great insight on him. We're going to talk yeah. about England and Ghana. Lloyd Sam is a former Ghanaian international, in case you didn't remember that one. And then, Lloyd, at the end of every Copa episode, we do five questions. We do a spot kick. It's called okay. spot kick. We'll do spot kick with, five, with, with Lloyd Sam. And it's just five questions. Not trivia. Yeah. It's sort of like yes, no answers that I put you on okay. the spot. And you've got it's only answer. yes or no answers, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, somewhat, somewhat, somewhat. Okay. But I won't catch I'm you too off guard. To that. I'm looking forward yeah. to that. That bit sounds fun. Uh, but let's start with Char- Charlotte FC. Uh, okay. Geez, I mean, the first season it had everything, didn't it? It had you had a, a new team coming into the league. I, th- yeah. I felt like the expectations were 
a little bit unpredictable for Charlotte, yeah. right? Like you knew you had a, a, a an ambitious owner, but what was the scene going to look like early on? Uh, Miguel Angel Ramirez has fired 14 matches into the first season. At the yeah. same time, they're building this incredible community around the team. They mm. narrowly missed the playoffs in the first season. What was it like? What was it like to be covering that team around all that, I guess, joy oh and turmoil? Gosh. You know, first of all, I'll, I'll start from the beginning, coming in coming into Charlotte and not really knowing what to expect. That was probably the biggest thing, because you said expectations. We didn't know what to expect. We're all starting a team from scratch, like every department. So I came thinking, oh, okay, I'm new. I'm not, but everybody's kind of like new. So we were all kind of meshed together and we had to figure things out. And you said incredible community. That's exactly what I've witnessed here. It's like, uh, let's talk about the fans first. I mean, yeah. They're figuring out their traditions. You know, you, you, we had the first game, 74,000 game, which was great, setting the record. But it was the games after that that the fans were now figuring out, okay, this is what we want to do. This is when we want to chant. These are the songs we're singing. So that was all a process. And honestly, it, you forget that it's the first year sometimes. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, it reminded me, I've said this several times, Charlotte FC this year, it reminded me a lot of Atlanta United in 2017. I was here in, in the city of Atlanta. I'm based in Atlanta. I saw that team. It's birth, right? And you see the, the, the players that are coming in, but mainly you see a city that people weren't sure. Are they going to embrace the yeah. sport? Are they going to embrace the team? Are they going to support it the way you should support your local football team? And I would watch Charlotte games, and it really did remind me of those early days at Bobby Dodd Stadium in Atlanta. I mean, was it was it that electric in person as it looked on, on TV? Oh, my gosh, it was that electric, man. It was a privilege to even commentate. You know, sometimes when you commentate, you're really at the mercy of the environment, the crowd, how many fans are there? Are they making noise? You know what I'm saying? Because I've commentated during the COVID era where I was There's doing nobody there, yeah. No one in. And it's just you. Some I, I was doing some solo games, so it was just me. And I remember thinking after, man, I really need a crowd here to kind of help me. So it's like that has helped me and Eric, Eric Krakow, of course, uh, my partner in the booth. It, it, it makes it really easy, you know. Before the game, they're jumping around. We've got our little tradition of. I don't know if you've seen it where we turn around and you do the pausing and, yeah. and, and we jump around and we can really get it going. And the slogan of the, of the, um, of the club is like, are you ready to party? <laughs> so, it, so it's like, you know, I've been known as a guy that doesn't mind the party in my time. So uh, I had just moved from Miami. I did three years in Miami straight to Charlotte. It was a, a perfect fit. It was, a, it was a perfect fit for me because they were just ready. The, the, the club is, is big on, they didn't want to come in and be mediocre or anything. Right. You know, and I think sometimes, you know, we had that inner pride being from Charlotte. We don't want to come and be bottom at anything. Like we want to get the highest attendance. We want to set this, we want to do this. We want to sell the most shirts. So it, it's, it's, it's every department. It kind of filtered through the club. It goes to the fans. They want to be the loudest. They want to be known as the best atmosphere. So. It, it really it really came together, man. And man, this has been one of the best years of my life, man. Really? I mean, what's the what's your one takeaway? I mean, I guess of between calling the game, calling it like being part of a, a brand new build from scratch, seeing a team come together, too. I mean, they had adversity. 
you know, they battled to the end. What's your main takeaway, your one takeaway from this first season? Oh, that's interesting. What's my main takeaway? I need, I need a bit more with that question. <laughs> when you say what's my main takeaway, I need, I need it a little bit more specific. Because there's so many. Yeah, go well, well, let's start on the field. Like, what did you see on the field that fans should be excited about moving forward into this, in season two and, and beyond? Like, is there a product that this city of Charlotte can really get behind? Okay, so I'll say, you know, we changed the managers. Christian Latanzio came in. And he brought a spirit, man. Uh, the way the boys were believing in him and in each other when he came in was, was eye-opening. And then we had a little dip. He's figuring out his players. You know, the, the team was changing a lot week to week. So it wasn't really consistent. Towards the end of the season, he was now starting to understand who he had, the abilities of his players. He moved Swiderski back to the number 10, put Danny Rios up top who scored four goals in one game at the end. And Incredible. that was like such, that was such a good move. Like yeah. when you look at their attributes, Zdurski was a guy that he has 10 attributes and we're playing him as a nine. He was he a striker. Defenders, right? Yeah. Yeah. He has to fight defenders and, and it's tough. So it's like when you moved him back, he had space to do his thing. He could get the ball, hold it. Guys would make run. I used to call it Zdurski and runners. Whenever he gets the ball, you need a lot of runners going. And then Rios is just in the box, a goal scorer, a battler. He doesn't stop as well. So I would say the last five games, it looked like there was no chance of playoffs. And then Christian Latanzio introduced a mini season. He said, this last five games is going to be a mini season. Yep. You know, and there was just such more focus in this mini season. The first game, we beat New York City at home 1-0. We went down to 10 men at 60th minute. And sometimes our team, when you face adversity, sometimes we may crumble. We strong. Which is typical of an expansion side, right? Like they're not sure they've never been there. No matter how experienced the signings yeah. may be, you're not sure. Exactly. So the first game was a tough one nil win, 30 minutes, 10 men. The next game was probably the, the biggest game of the season. Went to Chicago, two nil down away from home. This is like a legendary moment. This is going to go down in history. When oh, wow. we scored down, second half, we scored 55th minute. The ref disallowed it, like for some dubious foul, a little, some small contact. So imagine you're 2-0 down, you get one in the second half, they take it away. All hope is gone at that point. It came to the 68th minute, we got one back. They ran, they got the ball, ran to the halfway line, got another one back, 2-2. Two, two. And then in the very last second, Swiderski scored. And um, I might have to send you the clip after. No, I remember. I mean, I remember this game. It was a huge game, oh, that game, game at Chicago. Yeah, that was at Chicago, right? Yeah. That was at yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Get, get the last minute winner, celebration, scenes in Charlotte. We were all going nuts in the booth. It was crazy. And it was that we had been struggling on the road all season. So that was a huge one. Remember, it's a five-game mini season. That's two wins back-to-back, -back, right? Yep. The third game, we hosted Philly. Beat them 4-0. One of the best See, teams I, I, in the league. One of the best teams in the league right there, right? I, I, I told that story quickly, but really, that was a lot of like blood, sweat, and tears from the players. They went out. It was a big build-up. Beat them 4-0. So that was three in a row. And then the next game was Columbus at home, where the rosters were frozen. So... We've now signed these new players who are incredible for the team, by the way. Yep. Dylan Melander, Nathan Byrne, Nuno Santos were the three players. 
such good additions. And they were a big part of that success at the end of the season, along with the other boys as well. But that game froze the roster, so we couldn't use our new players. We had to use players that were playing maybe three months ago with, who maybe now weren't on form. Went into that game, went 2-0 down, right? And then rallied back. Came, came back to 2-2 in the last minute. And then uh, there was a moment after that game where like the whole crowd was just clapping. It was just a moment of appreciation for the team, what sure. they fought for, what, what everybody was proud. So the mini season is like- That's it, that's your takeaway. That's your takeaway right there. That's my takeaway. Is, is Christian Latanzi, I mean, I know, you know, he's the assistant. He has a lot of experience internationally as well. Seems like a intelligent guy, a tactician. Is he the guy, though? Is he the man? Like, do you think he is the coach to take this team I think beyond I mean, the next two seasons? Yeah? I mean, from what I've seen at the end of this season, he's the guy to take us into next season. And I'm really optimistic in what I see. The fans are, from what I hear, really optimistic. I mean, the way we've ended the season, there's no complaints from Charlotte SC fans about anything, really. Like, that was, not only was it like you've given us a chance, that was so much fun, just being in the fight, you sure. know, being able to say, okay, the next game, Philly at home, can we win that? I remember it was an international break and we were still alive for the playoffs, win that. So he's definitely taken us into the next. He's such a good man. One of the best men, probably, like, as one of the best men managers. Does that make sense? Not yeah, bad yeah, managers, yeah. I'm sure, saying, but he's just a good man. Like, I've met him a few times, always been great. Sometimes I've been a little bit critical of things I've seen. You know, yeah. he's always treated me good when I see him, but, and he treats the players good. Did More you see it? Did you see a change in the players from, from Miguel Alhel Ramirez to Latancia? Like, they're, their body language at the facility, training, uh, confidence on game day. Did, was that something that you and, and Eric that are so close to the team could actually see firsthand? We did see that. The first yeah. game was at home against Red Bulls, who were doing very well at that time, especially they were doing well away from home. So they were playing against us, and that was his first game. Beat them 2-0. There was a spirit in the team now like that I hadn't seen before where you – you know, when you play collectively together and it's just kind of visible, yep. there's a bit more belief. Before that, we would go on the road. We hadn't won on the road with the previous manager. It's not easy. Not easy in MLS, though. It's not easy, but Latanzio managed to do it soon after coming in. Yep. He, he got the first win for the team. So um, the answer is yes, I did see a difference. Eric saw that as well, just, just the spirit in the team. So what should fans after this first season that you mentioned, like it, it did look a lot like a lot of fun. It was very impressive to see, to watch from afar, uh, the stadium environment, the belief. And I think you mentioned it before when it, when an expansion side is actually the, when the stakes are high for an expansion side deep into the season and there's a playoff possibility and every game matters and every point is important. Uh, and if you have a good community that that's going to build a lot of like strong support. But now the honeymoon phase, I guess, is over, right? Now you're going into year two. Yeah. What, what do you think the expectations are for, for Charlotte fans? Like, what, what's success in year two for Charlotte? Oh, success. I, I think you want to get into the playoffs, right? I, I think that's always going to be the aim any season. And I think that's probably the aim next season. I think this season was like, 
okay, we're an expansion team and we were very close. Next season, it's like, okay, I'm speaking to some of the guys up there, Zora and Kurnetta and, and things like that. He wants to bring in a couple more players. I know the owner is ready to, you know, put some money towards it. Bring, I feel like you add three or four players to this group and, and you're in a really good place because home games, you're always going to have that advantage of yeah. having that crowd behind you. And it's, it's already got into some sort of routine at home. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's excited at home. Everybody's ready to go at home and the fans know they're the 12th man. They know what they've got to do. So what parts of the field? What should, what, if, there, if, if the owner and Cornetto want to bring in three or four players, what parts of the field would you focus on? What do you think this team needs to take another step forward? Oh, uh, that's a good question. That's a good question. See, I don't, I don't know if I should say that without them telling me exactly what. <laughs> but I, I would say... What did say, you see? I wouldn't be surprised. Because the big thing was talking about we need a superstar 10. Yeah. And then we've got Sudersky playing in the 10 as well. So that's why I'm, I'm hesitant to say, oh, a 10. And then Sudersky sure. is going to be the 10 because he can play both. But I think yeah. they probably will bring in a 10 as well. And maybe... Maybe a, a striker as well. Yep. I mean, Danny Rios ended the season really well. And that's my guy. I really like Danny Rios. Um, but I can imagine them bringing in even more competition, right, yep. up there. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if some star power came in as well. So not just quality on the field, but someone that people want to be like, oh, so-and-so's playing in Charlotte. I mean, it's already attractive. If you're in Charlotte and there's a Charlotte FC game and you're not there, I'm very surprised that that that's the hot ticket at the minute. Right, so, right, right. You know, but you still, bring someone else. But yeah, star power matters. Star power in MLS is big. You know, I, I, like I said, I saw it here in Atlanta. Joseph and Miguel Marone, Joseph Martinez, Miguel Marone, the first season. You know, they had the same sort of support uh, here in Atlanta. But those were the players that people were, could not wait to see. They could not wait to see what they were going to do together. Those are the players that the that the fans are paying tickets for. I think generally we look at Charlotte FC and we think, yeah, this is a club that needs a big time player, a big name, a big name, whether that's the nine or the 10, uh, you know, it, it feels like it is, it is the missing piece. You mentioned Danny Rios, who I think, you know, top MLS striker, you know, in his role, right. And in, 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 yeah. in sort of being a contributor uh, and, and trying to change the game. But, uh, in this league, you're looking at it at the playoffs right now. Look at the playoffs. Like, look at Sebastian mm. Drusi. Like, how important yeah. he is to Austin. Like, you need a killer in front of goal. It was eye-opening in the East, right, when people started bringing in players. Cucho yeah. comes in. Toronto yeah. bring their Italians in. And then we're <laughs> playing those teams. And we're like, wait a minute. They're not the same team we remembered. So it was like, we obviously had to catch up. But, but we signed three really good players. And those weren't star, star power players. Those were just good players that came in and added to the squad. Nathan Byrne, for example, he's played 400 games at the age of 29, yeah. which is outrageous to me. At 29, I was nowhere near that. And I always joke around with Nathan. I'm like, how the hell have you played this many games already? So it's like our scouting team, I, I wouldn't mind the star as well, but our scouting team, you know, they search far and wide to find these guys. I could see them adding a star. And yeah. adding some of those, you know, squad role players and all that as well. But a, a star would be fun, of course. So, and the rumors are they're, they're they're ready to do something. So, 
let's see what happens. Yeah, like I said, you need stars in MLS. You really do. Uh, and you mentioned Toronto. I mean, I think I remember one of the first games that that the the Italians of Toronto played was against Charlotte. And it was a route, a route of Charlotte. It was not a good afternoon remember, for Charlotte that day. I remember this game very well. Yeah, I remember this yeah. game. Sometimes I was taking these games. It, it was hitting me hard, you know, especially right. some of these away games. You go there and, like, you're passionate about the team. Me and Eric are commentators for the team. But it, it's not just commentators for the team. We're fans of the team as well. You, you can't help but be. So it's right. like when, when you – that game when we lost 4-0, I think the game before – was into Miami. We were up 2-0 at halftime and we lost 3-2. Yeah. That, that was, was our big little for, moment. That was yeah. big for Inter Miami. That like changed their season. Oh yeah. They were great yeah. at home. They, they yeah. were really tough team to play at home. I remember being in that stadium and commentating that game and it was like, they were really good second half. We were really bad second half, but they were really good. Then we went to Toronto and I, as you said, that, that, that was a bad, bad loss. 4-0 at halftime it was. And I think that's when you're like, hmm, we need to start. We may you need, need to start. That's, to I remember that. that game and thinking like, okay, hey, Toronto might not make the playoffs. It may be too little too late for them at the stage of where they were in the standings, but they brought in these players and you can see the difference they make and you can see what Charlotte was missing. And, and really, they look like a first-year team in that, in that game. That was like one Ooh. of those games where you're like, okay, this team is really sort of punching above its weight. That's one that um, would prefer people not to watch and talk about. <laughs> that, that, was, that was actually a bad game for everybody. Yeah. That, that one, uh, it was a bit dark and gloomy in the office after that after I that bet. game. I'm sure I in bet. the training ground as well. But yeah, so no, you're right about that one. But that's one we want to forget. <laughs> so um, Charlotte FC, I think, is interesting because uh, you know you mentioned the ownership group, uh, the scouting department, this 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 ambition that they have. Um, is do you think they are really representative of this new MLS MLS what they call MLS 3.0? Like your last season was 2016, I believe. Is it changed that much from when you were a player to what it is now? Like, what is one of the biggest changes you've noticed? Is it the spending? Is it the ambition? In the MLS, I'm loving like some of these new teams and coming in and straight away <laughs> cement themselves with the fan culture. So okay. at Charlotte FC, we have a chief fan officer, Sean yeah. McIntosh's name, director level. So I think that was probably one of the greatest ideas. He's literally just speaking to fans all day and, and setting up events and things. And they're coming to him with, you know, ideas, you know, if they have problems. So the fans are heard. I would say the fans are heard. I, I, maybe fans are like, oh, no, we're not. But I could say they are from what I see and, and the changes we make and things that happen. So one of the biggest things I love is the fan code. You see these teams come in, Nashville comes in. It's like straight away Austin comes in. Yeah. And they're like a force to be reckoned with already off the field. I, I think it's very impressive that MLS kind of like, you're coming in straight off the back and it, it's already like you've got these these fan bases that yeah. are just, I would, and I mean, when, when you're playing in MLS, you go away from home, you enjoy those games. You enjoy atmospheres, even if it's not your team. Yeah. Like it might be a tough place to play, but I would want to come and play against Charlotte, Austin, Nashville. Like it, I, I love the stadiums that are springing up as well. You know, the soccer specific ones as well. I know ours, we kind of with the Panthers at the minute, but I like some of the things that's going on around the league. The quality has gone up. The money has gone yep. up. Yep. 
Oh, I wish I could play now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I, I wish I could play now, but I mean, it was inevitable that it had to go up, right? Some yeah. of the things that were happening before wasn't really right, especially to some of the young American players coming up. It was a bit better for, you know, some, some of us Europeans that's coming over mm. from other leagues. But then, you know, some of the other Americans that weren't drafted high. Like, it's like really minimum wage. Them. It's like minimum wage, man. It's, it was tough. It was tough for them. And, and those are my boys. Like, I'm next to them in the changing room and, like, they weren't really getting what they deserve. Some, and, yeah. and what they have to do, they have to move mountains to now be considered, you know, up a, a, a higher level of pay. So I, I, I love I love that the money's going up. I believe it's going to keep going up. Salary cap should get bigger. I mean, now MLS has to be looking at all these other leagues and saying, you know, like how far are we if, you know, especially if the cap keeps going. Sure. The cap is going to probably hold it back a little bit from the other leagues. They, right? need to, but, they should open up, open up. Like Everyone wants MLS to open up. It's The big question is, will they do it within the next four years leading up to the World Cup where it's going to be, the showcase league in North America. Like, I mean, it's a big opportunity, don't you think? It's a huge opportunity. And, and I'll speak from example. Coming from England, you look at these cities and you're like New York, LA, Miami. People want to live in the US. People, people, people want to live in the, I can't speak for everyone, but a lot of people like the idea of coming over, bringing their family over, settling in. And like, even the cities you don't know, Charlotte, I mean, People in Charlotte, everybody that lives in Charlotte is pretty happy here. Yeah. But it's like other players maybe overseas would think, oh, I want to go to, you know, a New York or something. But you come to a city like this and, you know, you walk around the city, you see shirts everywhere and, you know, they really embrace the team. And that, that's probably one of the biggest things. The city embraces the team as well. So last question on Charlotte, um, you know, that fan culture and, and just generally fan culture in MLS, it's, it's, it's developing, right? Like you're coming from, from England where it's centuries old, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's a completely different ball game. But do you believe that like what you're seeing in Charlotte and what we're seeing in Austin uh, and, and what happens in Nashville and what happened here in Atlanta and what continues to happen in Atlanta is – is it genuine? Is it sustainable? And like, other than spending and making the product better, what is, how would you define American football culture in your, in your opinion? I think right now it's a great time to be involved in it. Yeah. I mean, first of all, we know what the World Cups do to, to this country, right? Hmm. You know, soccer fans that have always been sort of, see, see them crawl out the woodwork normally at World Cup time. And some crawl out the woodwork and then they go back. Some crawl out and they stay and then they follow. I think having these back-to-back, -back, well, I say back-to-back, -back, every World Cup is four years, but having this one and then the one that's going to be here, yep. I think this is the time where you say, is it sustainable? I think the, the next four or five years, it's only going up. Yeah. It's only going up. Who knows what happens further down? I think... I think the people in charge of the MLS are thinking about these things already, about how to keep it going, how to keep the interest, how to... And, and they're in charge of that. Obviously, I couldn't really comment on that. What I would say is this is a fun time to be involved in it. it obviously, I've just got the Charlotte FC job for this year, and I just feel like even though we don't know what's happening next year, right, Apple TV is coming in and all that, 
the timing of coming in was an amazing was an amazing time. Like right before the World Cup, and then the next four years. I think the next four years. I think everybody's thinking capitalize on these next four years. We're gonna get a lot of new fans coming in. I would imagine there's probably gonna be more players coming to the MLS that you wouldn't have expected in their prime. You know, yeah. like the guys that's coming. Because when I was playing, it was only like Giovinco, and you're like, wow, Giovinco really yeah. came at that time. Right. <laughs> and he used to mess us up a lot. And I remember, he used to mess us up in that Eastern Conference. He kind of changed the conference a little bit. Yeah. But now, obviously, you're seeing Toronto again doing the same thing. I think that there's going to be more, you know, guys younger wanting to come. I mean, it's already happening, but I, I, I see that happening. I, I think it's sustainable for the foreseeable future. And, and why not further on? So you, you, I actually wanted to ask you about the Apple deal, like your thoughts on that and, and you know, what's next? Like you mentioned, you sure, you're still not sure what 2023 is going to look like for you. Are you going to be perhaps calling games for radio? Or are you expecting change from, at, from the TV uh, perspective? Like what, what are your thoughts? I mean, it caught everybody off guard. It's, very, you're it's actually a very in the delicate business. issue. Yeah, I I'm bet. I'm in the business, man. O- honestly, like it's great what Apple's doing, you know what I'm saying? But I just got my foot in the door. So I'm like, wait, I've been here one year and I'm like, now that there's a yeah. bit of a bit of a shakeup. So that probably wasn't ideal for me. I wouldn't have minded two, three years doing what I'm doing. But now uh I don't know. I, I couldn't even say definitively what's happening because you know we're all gonna find out news, I would say, in the next few weeks with sure. regard to that. And I think, you know, that's the uncertainty is horrible. You know, and I think a lot of guys are going through that, you know. Shout out the other commentators in the league because we're all going through the same kind of uncertainty. And, you know, people got family, kids and wives asking, hey, what's going on next year? And, yeah. and you don't really know. So that's not ideal, but I do like the idea. I mean, there's, there's, there's some things I really like in it. There's some things that, you know, are question marks. I do like the idea that my dad, who's in Ghana at the moment, could mm-hmm. watch MLS games now. Right. You know, yeah, if, accessibility. If he signs up. I like that. I yeah. like that. Uh, the, the global aspect of, of, of putting it out there. So that sounds interesting. You know, there, there, there's other things that uh, maybe question marks, right? Maybe the armchair MLS viewer. Yeah. How's he going to see it? It's, it's a question. There's probably answers, and, and I should probably ask Apple TV, like, and they probably have an answer for me. So. I think that all that stuff is going to be figured out because you want you want the new fans as well, like yeah. Charlotte FC. That some of the Charlotte FC fans that didn't expect to be into it. That's that's the biggest thing I hear. It's like they're like I, I didn't know what offside was, and now <laughs> now now I'm screaming at the TV and I can't exactly. sit down and I can't get over it. And it's like that. I love those stories. Yeah. I love yeah. those stories. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, the Apple uh, situation, the deal is interesting. You know, I, I think in my humble opinion, you know what was what was so good for MLS for so long was the the local regional aspect of the of of the of the sport like of the league yeah. like every city had has its own hub its own radio TV crews uh, you know the cities are really embracing their uh, their teams but in the end it ends up being this like double edged sword because the league has to grow like the league has to grow, league has to grow. you know but like you y- you call it a delicate matter and it is it is like i've spoken to a lot mm. of people in your in your profession in your situation and uh there there's there's anxiety there's honest anxiety about like what oh, the yeah. future will look like so Best of luck, Lloyd. I mean, thanks for 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 talking. About it. I had to bring it up. I had to bring it up. Yeah, yeah, you. I mean, but I will end with saying, like, I'm excited about the opportunity of possibly yeah. being involved in that. Sure. We don't know, sure, um, and and that's going to be fun. So let's let's hope I'm involved in that. All right. So a sort of a, a small pivot here. I mentioned Jesse Marsh at the top of the the show. Uh, you played for him. Uh, you know, yeah. right now he was, he, you know, he, he's, he, he's at Leeds United. It, it was really a bright start, you know, in his first year in the premier league. And now he is certainly, you know, on the edge here, whether he's going to keep his job at Leeds United, they, they're, they're dangerously close to, to staying in that relegation zone. Yeah. Um, let me just ask you first, what was your experience like with him before we get to Leeds United? Like what, what, what sort of parallels do you see? from the coach that we watched on Sundays in, in, in England and the guy that, that coached you uh, at Red Bull, New York? Oh, well, I'll, I'll go on the, the first impression straight away, right? We, I remember we had just come from 2014 season. We had lost the likes of Thierry Henry. Tim had left. He comes in. And he's coming in very deliberate of how he wants to play, what he wants to do. It's probably the most deliberate I've probably seen uh, a new coach come in and be like, we don't want to do this. We're not playing on the wing. We're going to go. We want to win it back. We want to high press. And we got to work straight away. And at first, you're not really sure what to expect. Um, and then you realize he's a guy that will do anything to win. Like he's looking at every stat possible to see where can I get an advantage on this team. And I, and you admire the work rate. The work rate... You, Obviously, I never 
really saw him play, but I saw him train with us every sure. now and then. You could tell what type of player he was. He was going to work. He work, was work. fiery, man. He was fiery. Yeah. I mean, he was like, he's still like that as a coach, yeah. right? So fiery guy, good man, good man as well. Obviously, some, maybe some of the things that he likes as a manager uh, don't necessarily agree with my abilities as well, you know? Sure, sure. He's probably more of like running first guy. Like you have to be able to run. So I have a quote from you. I found this. Uh, this is from recent. I think this was March, March of this Uh-oh. year. You described Jesse Marsh. This is for a story when he got the job and they talked to several former players. And your quote was, he loved us to do the running first. He was not opposed to playing, but the first thing he had us do was run. You had to be able to run. I mean, that sounds like Jesse Marsh. Absolutely yeah. does. And honestly, the reason why this is talking about the team for a second, the reason why that team was so good 2015, right? People had written us off when we went and won the support show first year. He had technical guys first, right? Yeah. yeah. And then he put the running and the work ethic into us in the system. And I think that that should go, shouldn't go unnoticed. Sure. Of course. You know, you, you still need that ability as well. If you get mm-hmm. the ability and the work rate together, but Red Bulls kind of went away from that and went all the way to like a running style where it's like, you've just seen the recipe work. Yeah. The recipe was, you know what I'm saying? You've got, I've got to mention the names because they're my guys. Mike Grella, Brad, you got me, you got Sasha, you got, Dad, you got Felipe. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You got guys like Kamal Lawrence at the Kind of late. I can't mention it, but all guys that bought in, but they could yeah. play. So yeah. it's it's sad to see that Red Bulls kind of thought, okay, we just want we want even more of the running side. It's like why don't you get like a nice balance? Sure. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, they're doing their thing. But you're yeah, right. So- but but you're right. Not to go on a, a Red Bull yeah. New York tangent, but they're a lost club. They like we're not sure what their identity is. I mean, yes, they continue to make the playoffs. I think it's 13 years in a row. Uh, but what's the strategy? Like, what's the plan here? Um, and and this league, I feel, I feel like the league is evolving a bit too. You've got to play. Like teams are starting to build their 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 systems around players that can actually keep the ball. And and you know, it, it comes to playoff games, right? They played Cincinnati. They go out at home first first game. But the game before Cincinnati was a game against Charlotte FC, last game of the season. And the possession was 75% to Charlotte FC yeah. at half time. And yeah. I was like, I was thinking immediately, I'm like, in the playoffs, I don't understand how you're gonna win in the playoffs kind of like that. Anyway, we don't want to get on a Red Bull tangent. <laughs> <laughs> but Jesse Marsh, Jesse Marsh, man, there's things I've been blessed in my career to to be around people like this. He spoke very highly of you all the time. Because after it, I now take what I've learned from him. You know what I'm saying? I now take so I've, I've before that was Thierry Henry. I'm taking wow. what I've learned from him. Wow. Like that that um winning mentality he brings was was another level. Like we're talking about monopoly, we're talking about games, like that winning mentality, he he came in and also he was just an authority at all times. Whereas yeah. like he made it a point that he was like, When I'm around, people gonna be on their best behavior kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which was yeah. probably good for us as well. Yeah. And then Jesse comes in and he's bringing 
you know, obviously he's bringing a system. He's bringing, he got us up for those games, man. Like, we were looked at as like regular guys with no real stars. Obviously, Bradley became one, right? And, and yeah. probably was already, but it wasn't like big DPs at the beginning. So yeah. he really instilled leaders. He made leaders. That's, that's what yeah. he did. He actually made leaders. Because I left I think- that club. Go ahead, go ahead. I left that club a different man after. Like the maturity that I, I kind of picked up from that time. I was a bit reckless then still, you know, as a player, not really understanding maybe the way to speak to management all the time. Or, and I remember one time he had to sit me down and say, hey, you can't do things like that. And I was like, actually, you're right. I, I had picked up bad habits from, you sure. know, toxic environments I had been at. And um, he made us give up, give team talks. Oh, and that really? was the biggest thing. Players. The players. I didn't even wow. like, I didn't really want to be talking like that. Like, I would go and be <laughs> up for the games, but he would like be like, okay, Grella, your turn to give the team talk. And like, when it's coming from your teammates, you know, like the, the, the goosebumps and shivers you get. It hits like, different. Oh. It hits different. I'm like, I'm like, damn, Grella's up for it like this. I was like, let me get up for it. It was that, like that kind of mold. And then he gave me a chance to do one. And I remember I was surprised at how my teammates responded to it. You know, you know, you give the talk and then there's a little roar after. I was like, oh, I did that. It was like, you know, and then after you dabble in the leadership part, I then got traded to DC United. Yes. And yeah. I was, all, I had learned so much. And at the time, I, I feel like they needed more voices in the locker room. Got and it. What I had learned, I took straight to that team. So that was the biggest thing Jesse done. Like, he probably helped me for the probably the rest of my life because that seeps into just regular life now. What a great story about Jesse Marsh. I mean, that that it sounds like. I mean, and you're seeing the reports now at Leeds United. The players are backing him 100. I, I, you know, you could argue whether or not this Leeds United team is a good Premier League team. I mean, we're talking about star power. That Charlotte mm. needs Leeds United needs they need, they need some they help. Need you know, like this is we're talking about the, the the best league in the world. The margin for error is is probably zero, especially if you're a team that's competing mid table. So they need you know, a couple deep, they need a couple DPs. They need DPs, man. You know? They need DPs. I mean, has it been difficult for you to, to watch uh, Leeds United? They're, they're you know they're your hometown team. You played for them, and now you're watching your former coach struggle is it is it what's that experience be like because they started well it's like a big high and now you're they beat chelsea three on top of the world it looked like they're about to take over but sometimes man those sort of wins could have you feeling you're somewhere where you're not you know what i'm saying because obviously you see the results after you're like you come back down and uh it's been hard to watch leeds united games i mean it's hard to see the results obviously leeds is as you said, hometown, born in Leeds and played for Leeds. I'm going to be someone that looks out for Leeds the rest of my life, regardless. And also the fan culture there. Like, I talk about fan culture. Oof. Oh, That's I don't like, know if you... Leeds, Leeds United games away from home. Even better than home, right? Because you can't even get a ticket on the road. We'd have 7,000 going to, like, Coventry or something. This is in the championship. <laughs> And we're on the bench singing the songs that the fans are singing. Like, wow. it was unbelievable. Like, not only was it, like, the culture, it's just that the songs were so good and catchy. It, it, it was incredible. So, I would, I, 
blessed to be even involved in that club, man. That that was yeah. a an eye opening experience. Like that's a big club. Yeah, fan base, history, all of that stuff. Um, it's been hard to watch because they're losing, right? And right. I, I look at the team and I'm like, okay, Patrick Bamford comes in, but maybe I feel like I, I wouldn't mind seeing them. I like Tyler Adams in the midfield. I like what yeah. he does. You know, his quickness in the midfield is... And it's funny that that's the first thing I say, quickness, right? Because, you know, he was 16 when we trained. I, I got traded and played against him. And wow. I noticed that every time in the midfield, I'm like, damn, Tyler Adams is here again. <laughs> like, he was everywhere. Like, he covers ground like yeah. you wouldn't believe. It's, it's hard to get away from him. I like that signing. They need they need superstar a nine. 10 or They something. need a nine. Ten, yeah, they need nine, a nine. 10 wingers. Yeah. I mean, I like Jack Harrison. I like what he does. They've got, I think they need another, another winger there as well, though. So let's hope that the fortunes turn. Obviously, Jesse, he'll be doing everything he can to get these boys right. But I want to see a bit more ability up top, as you're saying, right? He, how do you compete against some of those players you have to play over there? Yeah, yeah. So quickly, do, do you think he Jesse Marsh lasts the season? Do you think he'll keep his job? Ooh, what a question you're asking me. I, <laughs> I don't know if I even want to answer that. I hope so. Yeah. I hope, you know, I hope so because also he's kind of flying the flag, you know, for, yeah. for, for MLS and all that stuff. And, and, and U.S. soccer a little bit in the prem, like, you want him to do well. It's nice to say, oh, the premiership manager is my former manager. I want him to stay here. It makes all of us look good. It makes American, it makes MLS look better. We don't want him to get sacked, of course. I just feel like, where's the, where's the star power? It, yeah. it goes back to that all the time. So it's like, if he does, it's like, I don't know if he's been, they've let him invest or... Has, has it not been invested right? I don't know what they've spent, but I want to see a bit more quality on the field. I agree. I agree 100%. I was talking to a colleague before we started recording that he, he essentially said the same thing. I mean, you look at Leeds play, they need help. They need players. Like, was this the right team to inherit? Uh, you know, Marcelo Bielsa and his style. Mm, it, it was, as well it, it was like, it, when it was great, it was great. And then you could see the decline. And perhaps that's when the squad needed to be refreshed and evolved and, and, and sort of built for, for Jesse. Uh, but okay. I, I think we know that the premier league doesn't really forgive. And so we'll see. It'll be an interesting, oh, yeah, it'll be an interesting next few weeks for, for Jesse Marsh. Uh, okay. We're going to get to the spot kick soon. I, I, I promised at the top of the show, we're going to talk about the world cup and I think you have great okay. perspective for England and Ghana. Uh, yeah. you were, a, you're a dual national. I, I actually wanted to ask you about that. Like, you know, you, you're, you were a U20 player for England. Yeah. Um, and then you had a one cap for the senior national team for Ghana, correct? Yeah. So just like, what was that like having to decide between those two, your, your home country and your parents' yeah. birth country? Cause that's something that, as you know, is talked about a lot here in the United States between, the Mexico and U.S. dual nationals is becoming this recruitment battle. Yeah, but there's yes, an emotion. There's a, there's an emotion to the side that players have to actually choose their allegiance. What was it like for you? I mean, listen, mine weren't really much of a choice. Mine was obviously I was in the England youth setup until under twenty, as you said, and then I was playing. I was mainly a championship player, so I right. weren't really going to play for the national team unless I'm playing in the prem. 
So it wasn't really much of a choice. So it's like, hmm, I'm like, okay, what's going on? Like my dad was trying to get me in with Ghana, but it took it takes time to get the papers switched. I had, had actually had a call up before that and the game was cancelled. So when I look back, I could have played a lot more games for Ghana if we figured things out quicker. Yeah. Some of my managers weren't really trying to let me go. Imagine Ghana. <laughs> Funny story. I was at Leeds United. Ghana have a friendly against Nigeria in London. Oh, wow. If you know about London, there's a lot of Ghanaians and Nigerians. And this would have been a huge game in yeah. London as well. It would have been amazing. So I've said to my manager at the time, Simon Grace, I'm like, Ghana have called me up. But they came with a late call up. So okay. the, the club doesn't have to accept it if it's late. So I said, Ghana's called me up. This would be amazing for me. I was like 25 years old. I said, I'd really love to go. Um, and he said, oh, we have um, a Carabao Cup game oh, against come on. Bradford that he wants me to play. I hadn't even been playing in the league. I was out of favour at the time and he wanted me to play that. And I remember, see, I'm going to give you a little insight to what, what happened sometimes. I remember thinking, I was like, nah, you got to let me go. So I didn't leave it. I was like, I'm literally on the phone with, with the manager and it was a very heated conversation. I, I say conversation, it's more of an argument, really, yeah. where yeah. I'm like, look, you've hardly played me all season. This is something that could give me a good lift. And when I come back, it might take my performance even up. You know what I'm saying? I said, yeah. let me have this opportunity to go play for my country. Again, he's like, he can't let me go. He needs, to, he needs me to play. I was just like, you need me to play this cup game. There was other people that could have filled in. You yeah. never played me anyway. So in the end, I remember, I was almost thinking like, go anyway but I knew I couldn't unless he, <laughs> unless he says yes but you but were at you know that what? point yeah you were at that but point you know what happened right I basically the relationship wasn't good the argument went well and he said I have to stay but the game got postponed anyway oh, so wow. now me and the manager are like in the wilderness <laughs> as, as far as our relationship goes yeah. and like now I have to play the game anyway so I'm coming I'm not happy but the game's been cancelled in London so I'm like this was all a waste. Yeah, and like yeah. me and me and the manager, you know, I, I, I don't think that it ever really recovered. What, who was but your manager at the time? Simon Grayson was his name. Simon Grayson. Simon okay. Grayson. I mean, you just want a manager to have like a little bit of heart there and be yeah. like, you know what? You're right. I haven't yeah. played you. This could be great for you. You could go on to figure better things. Maybe a World Cup down mm -hmm. the line. And it didn't let me go, which was quite sad. Like you want the human nature to come through, and him. Sure. but the game in the end was postponed anyway. So <laughs> and you played like, your cards. <laughs> like, played my cards. Played yeah. my cards. It was a horrible situation. So um, yeah, so it could have been more. The one cap came later, though. I was at Red Bulls that time. Right on. But I actually what, forgot the question you asked. No, I mean I it's it's just. Tandem. Well, no, that was it. Like it was about choosing. I mean, you answered it. Like perhaps it wasn't as. Oh, it wasn't a choice. Yeah, it wasn't that it wasn't as difficult for you, but I mean, what what a what a footballing culture in Ghana. I mean, it's it's they are a powerhouse in Africa. They I remember in the '90s they were always in every final of every Youth World Cup, U20, U17, that's right, you name that's it. Right. Like it was that was the team. It was always Ghana against Brazil, talent, Ghana against talent on the ground. You know, tons of talent. Um, you know, just describe that one cap. Like, and what was it like playing for your country? Oh my gosh, that was incredible, man. Uh, that was 2015 year. 
That was with Jesse. Um, I think that they, I might have got this call up late as well. Jesse okay. let me go. But I don't think there was a conflict with the games. But I think that if I sat down, you know, man to man, he would have let me go anyway. You know, clear difference of, you know, how, how they approach things. But um, we played against Canada at RFK oh, in wow. D.C. So that wasn't far. So went down there. Oh, my gosh, what was that experience like? For one, it was just, it was interesting, man. I've never been involved with anything like this. You get there, the guys are from all over the world, right? I've never been in there, but, you know, you've got your little cliques, some are friends, the newcomers, and, like, I'm just there figuring my way out. They didn't really know too much about me. Yeah. They're all playing, like, in Europe or something, and I'm playing there. Right. But what I soon realized is I was like, wait, this is my domain. We're in the U.S. right now. So right. that's where it's like, at first, listen, man, I don't even know how much time we got, but it was funny, man. Um, I'm getting into the room and I'm with another player who's a veteran in the squad, you know, quite well known. And I'm a newcomer. It was a bad match, right? They who was the player? Who was, who was the player? <laughs> his name is... Uh, Wakaso Mubarak is his okay. name. You can okay. Google him. He's had a lot of caps, but sure. he's like very well known in the squad. But I get into the room. He's on his bed and there's three of his friends sitting on my bed. <laughs> and I'm getting in and you'd think that they're all like, okay, you know, oh, Lloyd's here. Let's move out of the way. I get in and I was like a stranger in my own room. Like I'm, I'm trying to get round guys to get to my room. Like, they're chilling, they've got food in there. It's like a little party. Wow. And I'm like, I prefer this not in my room. Like, maybe there's a communal area. I remember I went to my room, squeezed past them. I'm on my bed. These guys are still sitting on my <laughs> It was so awkward at first. I remember I called Red Wolves and I said to the guy, uh, our, our manager guy, I said, hey, could you, you think you could get me a hotel room in, in the hotel? Because oh, wow. that was like the MLS hotel for when you play DC United, the Renaissance, okay. I believe it's called. And he was trying to get me something, but it was fully booked. So I was stuck in that environment. <laughs> so I've gone back and it was just all frosty. They, they could have been more welcoming at the yeah, beginning. Yeah. And then, you know, we got to talking a little bit more and my roommate found out that I'm the son of my dad's name's Andy Sam. Like he's known in Ghana. Okay. He was, he actually was uh, on the team that Wakaso was on. Like no my way. dad was one of the execs, chief executive for a team in Ghana. Wow. So then it was like, oh, you're his son. So then things started loosening up. It started loosening up. And then next thing, it went from frosty to like, we're eating in, out of the communal bowl together with our hands. You know, that's what we do in yeah. Ghana. Yeah. So yeah. like it turned from that to like, I'm there, we got, Guys, like, who do we have? Jordan Ayu was in the room and, like, Oof. we're all eating. We're, and, and everything turned around there. And that's, that's when awesome. I was like, wait, this is my domain. You guys are in where I live. So then they would look at me to be like, oh, where's this? How do I do this? And I'll be right. like, oh, that's there around the corner. There's a Nando's down there. You know what I'm saying? It's like. That's what you needed. Someone just need, needed to drop your, do a name drop of your dad. You need, you, and that was it. That was it. And then I called the Red Wolf guy. I said, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm exactly. staying in this room. So in the end, me and Wakaso became quite close. You That's know, cool. I, he was doing crazy things like having the, the thermostat on the highest number. Then when it got too hot, he would turn it off. Then when it got cooler, <laughs> he would... I was like, bro, we could set it on an... Uh, it was just so funny, man. It was, it was such a funny experience. 
the game itself was cool. We played Canada. I came on maybe 20 minutes. I felt I gave a good account of myself. Um, sadly, I didn't get another call up after that. But my age was probably the problem by that point. Sure. I was like 31 years old, I think, at that time. So, but it was incredible. One last experience that was incredible was the walk up to the game. And this is going to happen at the World Cup as well, because they do this every game. So they even bring a guy that comes and plays drums and stuff and music on Love the it. way. Love it. His name's Langerbell. And I, <laughs> uh, I used to follow this guy because he's like on social media or whatever. When I actually met him, plays music, we get out, we sing. Like the Canada team is looking out of their locker room yeah. like, oh my gosh, what's coming? And it's like <laughs> our whole team, we're just singing mad songs and all that. It's crazy, man. It's, it, it's unbelievable. I was so up for the war to play a game after because you just get together and it's an amazing feeling. That's so cool. That's so cool. I mean, the culture of the World Cup, like that's what people are looking forward to the most. And those little anecdotes about what each team does to prepare for a game is amazing. What do you think about, about Ghana for this, for this World Cup? It's the group of death. This is the group of death. Portugal, Uruguay, yeah. Ghana, and South Korea. I, I deem this group the group of dark arts, too. I think this oh, is yeah. going to be... Oh, the group of dark. oh we know be, Uruguay. We're like, last you know we're Uruguay. Uruguay. And, and, and Portugal's a favorite. They're going to have to... I think they're going to have to show some streetwise football as well. South yeah. Korea, quick side. Ugh, some stars on that team. It's a tough group. It's, it, 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 what it's happens? A tough group. Does Ghana get out? I think if they get out, you know, they're coming back as heroes, honestly, because I think it's going to be tough. They just scraped their way to the yeah, World Cup. They did. You know, I have to appreciate that they're even giving us this moment to go and celebrate them being in the World Cup. I think you go there and there's not that much pressure on Ghana, though. Sure. I think like some of the other, the favourites to probably come out of that team, that group, were probably Uruguay and Portugal, maybe. Yeah, that's you know, the expectation. So, so what I would say is you play on that. You know there's no pressure. You go and enjoy your football. You do your thing. You know, you sing your songs, you get up for the game and you cause some upsets. That's what I say. And I'm actually going to be in Qatar for a okay. couple of days. Amazing. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. I may, I may be, it's looking like I could be watching USA England, which is going to be like the best game ever, by the way. Yes. For an Englishman living in the US, to me, it's just like that game doesn't get any bigger. It's big no. for everyone. It's anyway. huge. It's huge. It's huge. Um, and I may go to Ghana, Portugal. I got to shout out my brother. My brother works for UEFA and okay. he can get tickets for like the World Cup and stuff. So, it's it's going to be fun time, man. So, yeah, my expectations are no expectations. Go have fun. Go have yeah. fun. And sometimes that's the best way. So what about England then? Um, you know, they clearly owe any time England is in a World Cup. You expect great things from them. Uh, we've talked about the U.S. game. It's you, they, have, they have to get by Wales, the United States, and Iran. But there's so much concern around this English team right now. Like, can they, are they going to play up to their level? Are you concerned? Or, or is this a team that you think will find its way once the tournament starts? I'm a little concerned a little bit. I'll okay. tell you what I'm concerned about. England, right now, we have every type of player. Like, years ago, we didn't have the Foldens, the Grealishes, no, the true. Madisons. And true. We never had that kind of player. Now we actually have every type of player at your disposal. I feel like Southgate, he's finding it hard to get the Flair players playing with Flair. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to criticize managers too much, but 
he's he's a center back. He's a defensive yeah. manager, and you see the way he does things. That's right? true. They're it's conservative like, guys. Those center backs are very conservative. I mean, oh my god. You know. So that's one of the frustrating things. I'm yeah. like, take the shackles off of these guys and let them play. Like we're just playing so standard when we have flair now. Like, and that what that's what bothers me as a winger. I'm like, you got in all these wingers running back, and you know everything is safe and covered. Yep. Is that really what we need when we've got guys that now can do a little bit? And that's what bothers me. So my tone has even changed. You can even hear. I can, I can I hear it. I'm like, <laughs> no expectations. Go have fun. England has expectations, and that's not going away. Yeah. But there should be expectations. Like the caliber of players we have in every phase is like. It's got to be better. It's got to be better. I say it's got to be better. The Euros, we went to the final. I uh, guess I'm talking about the performance on the field. I feel like we could do more. But that's the culture of English football. I mean, this is a team that was in the semifinal in Russia in, in 2018. You know, they, they, they lose to Croatia, had every had opportunity to win that game. But I agree. Like, if you watch Phil Foden on Sundays for, for City... It's yeah. like this dude is unreal. Like he's so good, and so then good. for England, it's like he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't he's know where to be. Like he's got things in his mind. I don't know if what overthinking. The yeah, are. yeah. You yeah. Know what? Like obviously, I've been around the game a long time. You want to simplify it sometimes to letting players go and have fun, right? When you're telling players, make sure you're here. Make sure you tuck in on this side. Do your defensive responsibilities. Tell him about what he's good at as well. Like, yeah. let the player feel like he can, you know, express himself and have some fun as well. So, I, I'm not seeing that from England. That World Cup run where England were like set piece scorers, right? Yeah, true, true. Like, why are we minimalizing ourselves to set piece scorers? Yeah. We should be that, and we should be so, like, you know, folding gets it, crosses it, Harry Kane. I don't know, whatever it is. That's what frustrates me about England. Let's hope. I say let's hope. We know that we're going to probably play a defensive style again. So <laughs> I, I, I'm not as optimistic about the football England are going to play. Okay. But okay. maybe they can get results. Well, you mentioned US, US uh, England. I've asked uh, several guests on this show that when that's brought up, I asked Peter Drury the same question. So I'm just going to ask you to. Did you have Peter Drury on? I the had show? Peter Drury on. I, I had Peter Drury on. So, yeah, that was my first. He was, he was my first uh, guest on, on Copa. Uh, and I asked him the same question I'll ask you. It, it, you know, what's your scoreline for US England? What's your predicted scoreline? Predicted scoreline? That's such a tough question. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love it. I love to watch these guys squirm. <laughs> Predicted scoreline. I, I hope they don't take USA lightly as well. Yeah. Because 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 US gonna be US is gonna be naturally more motivated than I think England. I mean, you should be motivated anyway in the World Cup. But I think that you know, like the narrative from back in the day that it's like you know US is behind England in in, in soccer and stuff like that. I think the U.S. would love to really set the record and uh, set, set the record straight out there. So they're going to be up for the game like you wouldn't believe. I think yeah. England are going to be favourites on paper and that's going to make it harder for England. Because I don't think when it comes down to it, there's going to be that much in the game. Sure. I think it's going to be a one-goal score, uh, one scoreline. I don't think it's going to be a crazy scoring game because it's Southgate. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, sorry, Gareth. I've been, I've been, I've been on to it. Um, 
Love it. Do I have to say a scoreline or can I? Say I mean, you one said one nil. Deficit? You said one goal deficit. I'll take it. I'll take it. Sounds nil. like I'll say I'll, I'll say it could be close. I don't okay. think it's an easy England win. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But okay. You know, all right. All right. Well, let's let's, let's get to the spot kick where you have to give okay, a definitive spot, answer. Let's, let's All right. Let's, let's do the spot kick with Lloyd Sam. Five questions. Uh, and let's start with this first one. Number one, spot kick number one. Who will win an MLS Cup first? Charlotte FC or Inter Miami? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Charlotte right now. I'm saying Charlotte FC. You All know, right. I, this is my team. I'm a supporter of this team, no matter what happens. So let's say Charlotte FC. I do think that Inter Miami really impressed me this season as well, yeah. though. I'll add that. Them at home were, were ridiculous. I spoke to Dre Cordero after the game, right? Commentator sure. for Miami FC. Uh, Inter Miami, sorry. Look, I'm talking about Miami FC. Um, and he former was saying... Club, your former club. He was like... That's the best we've ever played. And then every time I've watched my Inter Miami at home, I've been impressed. Hard place to play. I had to obviously play in Miami for a few years. They're always going to have that advantage. It's, it's a hard place to go. And, and you know, your calf's going to feel a little bit funny <laughs> after a while running around in that humidity. So um, not too far behind maybe Inter Miami, but let's say Charlotte FC. All right. All right. Uh, not surprised with that one. Uh, spot kick number two. Was Jesse Marsh the right successor to Marcelo Bielsa? I mean, considering what we considering what we talked about, I mean, you can use that. Like, was this the right time for him? But was he the right hire post Marcelo Bielsa? I mean, why would he not be? As a manager, you could come in and implement your own things. If you get investment, you can bring your guys in. And I mean, they've invested, they've brought some midfielders, but they need to invest up top, I think. And also, Bamford being up and down injury-wise, yeah. why has that not been a priority, like a big investment? So I would say he had an opportunity to manage in the Premier League. You're not going to turn that down. Yep. Like, you get in there and you do your best, but I would say he, he, he's the right successor. Investment-wise is my question. Has he invested and maybe it's not gone the right way? Or is it have that? I would love to see what they've spent compared to other teams. I guess that's how right. you would know. I know they sold Calvin Phillips. And Rafinha. And so I mean, where's Rafinha that money going? Loss. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. is the money going? Okay, so <laughs> I would say he's the right guy, but he needs that money. I don't know where that money is. Okay, okay. Good, Rafinha, good so, actually. I know. I mean, that's like, that's a huge, huge loss. And he's a tough player to replace. Uh, We're going to find out very soon on on Jesse Marsh. All right. uh, Spot kick number three. This is a top three I'm going to ask you for. Name your top three Ghanaian football players of all time. Um, Abidi Pele. You have to have him. Abidi Pele first. Um, Got to say, Stephen Appiah. Yes, yes. You know what? Before Top this player. podcast, I watched the, the 2006 game against yeah. USA, yeah. where Ghana won two-one, and obviously he scored the penalty. It was a bit of a dubious penalty, though. Yeah. Um, given on Gooch, 
Yeah. Uh, on you, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, it just refreshed my mind, and I was getting into World Cup fever. Nice. You know, thanks to you. So I, I, I'm probably going to follow that up. So, okay, I've got Appy, I've got Vidi Pele, and. Final one. Time. I'll probably have to go with. Um, Uh, the Leeds United striker. Well, I forgot his name for a second. Leeds United striker was this it? Is, this is crazy. I forgot his name. He scored bangers. Not, Tony Yeboah. No, not Tony Yeboah. Tony Yeboah. Tony Yeboah. Right? Okay. Bangers. Okay. So you've got a Betty Pele, who I yeah. absolutely adored as a child. That left foot. Oh my goodness! What a player. Uh, Stephen Appiah. Antonio Boat. Who does you left out SEN? Mark SEN doesn't make it. My gosh, my bad. Wow. See, you ask it. This spot kick is on the spot. I need there to have another player. There you and go. SEN, SEN to my boy as well. We're, we're putting SEN in. Let's take out. <laughs> let, I feel like I wanted to put Yeboah because of the Leeds connection as well. Yeah, yeah. But all right, let's take it. All right, so we're going with Pele's in there. SEN has to be in there. And who's the other one I said? Yeah. Gotta go with that. I've got to go with Appiah, man. That's a legend okay. right there. Okay. Thomas Partey right. gonna be up there, but he, you know he's 27, 28, 29, something like that. He's got more time. So no. let me wait till yeah. he retires. Appy was a top top ten. Very good player. Very good player. Did I miss Love out him. anyone else? There? I mean, there's some guys like you know Muntari, Asamoah Gyan. You know, I had I, I had the luxury. I need five. Of... Can I get five? <laughs> <laughs> I'll put Gian. <laughs> all right, so we're going for those three. There are your okay, three. Cool. Those are your three. All right, all right. Uh, this one's a little bit uh, more black and white. Your ideal number nine, Hurricane or Kareem Benzema? Or maybe it isn't black and white. Who do you prefer, Kane or Benzema? You're the manager. What Benzema done last season, it's hard to go against him. Yeah. He won the Champions League. Let's go with Benzema. Sorry, Harry Kane, but you know, I love what Harry Kane does as well. But I'll, I'll go with Benzema. All right, good answer. Good answer. Uh, final spot kick, final yeah. spot kick number five for Lloyd Sam. Who's the best manager you've played for? Best manager, best manager. Please be Neil um, Warnock. And I, and I have to say one. There's, there's, been, there's been different things I've liked about different managers, man. Like, oh my gosh. Like, there's, wanna... a name I'm gonna, there's a name I, I need to add context. Sorry. Go ahead. Go I ahead. can't say one because people wouldn't expect me to say this name. But Ben Olsen. Oh my goodness. Was a really good manager to play for, for if you were a creative player. Okay. You know, the likes of Luciano Acosta, myself, Patrick Nyarko. Remember when I said some managers bogged down the attackers with, don't oh, do this. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was the opposite of that. He, he lets you play. He lets you enjoy the game. He lets, so you wonder why Lucho's done so well, like, you know, in this perfect kind of manager for someone like Acosta. Not too yeah. much instructions. It's like, I believe in your ability. Go do your thing. So Jesse was great for other ways, like leadership. Sure. But was not as much freedom when it came to, you know, it was more system-based and, you know, after, which can work as well. And he had me scoring a lot of goals. I, I really did enjoy the Ben Olsen time for, the, for what he allowed. Jesse was more like, 
turned me into a leader, had group success as well. Yep. Um, and then there's, there's another manager, actually, that I have to mention. The manager that is uh, on the, the Wrexham show. Oh, wow, really? Okay. So I had him at Charlton, and he right. really helped me. I'll, I'll tell you what he said to me. What's his is, name? What's his name for, for the Phil listeners? Phil Parkinson. Phil okay. Parkinson. Surprised I didn't even say his name there. Uh, Phil Parkinson's his name. Um, I was about 24, 25 years old, and I was playing a few games. I was playing probably about a 7 out of 10, which was pretty good. Nothing crazy. We were in League One at the time, and I had come from the Premiership down to Championship and then down to League One, which sounds depressing. It was a bit depressing. <laughs> But once I was at League One, he pulled me into the office and he said, he said, you're playing well, doing well, but you've got to remember, you're coming from the Prem. Hmm. He was saying, I want you to go out there with a bit of that Prem swag, a little bit more arrogance. He said, you're almost like dropping down to the level a little bit where it's like, yeah. you don't come in a hard working kind. And he's like, no, go and have to put your chest out. Have the arrogance that you're a Prem man and you're better than this level. That's and awesome. once he told me that, like, my next five games, let's say eight out of ten, eight and a half, scoring goals, loving my football, and that got me started on the mental journey sure. inside a player's head. So that, that is something I can never forget. Like, he opened me up to another kind of thinking. So after, I was like, wow, he just said some words and lifted my performance. Yeah. So if you, you fast forward a few years, I now realize, I was like, does he need to say the words to me or can I say the words to myself sure. and lift my performance? So in the end, I was like on a different sort of mental level. I'm going to be talking a lot about this going down the line, but I was on a different sort of mental level where one time at DC United, Ben Olsen said, well, he didn't say it. I was normally taken off around maybe 70th minute as a winger, which I hated. <laughs> and I remember we were losing in one game and I remember saying to him, I was by the bench, it was around 60th minute. I said to him, don't take me off. I'm going to go make something happen. And I knew that me saying that was going to bring something out in, inside yeah, of me, like of on the field. Now you have and to went, deliver. And, and, and I delivered. And nice. I went and I, I did a little bit of skill, got brought down for a penalty. It was against Red Bulls as well. Oh, so it was back wow, against the wall, yeah. against my old team that's just yeah. traded me got brought down for a penalty. We ended up coming back to draw the game 2-2. And they were like, wow, you said you were going to do it. Yeah. Funny enough, a few weeks later, I did the same. I said, don't take me off. And I scored this time. So now I'm like tapping into myself. And I was like, yeah. wow, would I have scored if I didn't say that? So Phil Parkinson started me on that journey. So now like, I even do some mentality and mindset coaching with young players. Sure. And I, I try to, you know, share that knowledge of, you know, you can get so much more out of yourself once you figure out what it takes, right? And you understand yourself. So, Phil Parkinson, Amazing. I'm naming those Amazing. three. I'm not, I'm not choosing one, sorry. I got you. <laughs> I got you. I mean, listen, Wrexham, what, what a story for them. We, they, they're all over social media. They're, you know, the, the story is one that we're following and I did not expect there to be a link to Wrexham FC in today's interview yeah. with Lloyd Sam. That is so awesome. Uh, awesome, uh, Lloyd, listen, man, like, thanks for coming on. Like, this has been yeah. enlightening for me. Like some great stories about Charlotte FC, your time in the premier league playing for Ghana, the perspective on, on England, I think is, is, is great too. I, I, yeah. I sort of like to see 
the the English fan concern before World Cup. I don't know why. I think it just I don't know. From I'm just eating popcorn over here as, as England yeah. prepare for 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 Group A, uh, for Group B. I'm sorry. No, thank uh, you as well, man. You've asked you've asked the right questions, man. You've got some good answers, man. That's why you do what you do as well. So I appreciate you. Glad coming on. That was fun as well. Looking forward to when it comes out. For sure. Best of luck to you moving forward and we'll be in touch. I'll see you in Qatar. You're another guest that I get to say that to. See you in Qatar. Oh, you're going to be out there as well? I'll be there. All right. I'm, I'm going to try and catch up with you for sure. All right, Lloyd. Take care.